Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. What it do? Welcome, welcome, welcome on a Monday night. Look, look at this. I'm out for a couple days with an illness. I'm bad. I'm I'm on my deathbed over here. Chris goes out, upgrades the whole system. He's got a fancy new microphone. He's got new head. He's got a soundboard now. He thinks he's King Dingling over there. I feel like I'm working at NASA over here. I've got like colored buttons in front of me here. I got colored buttons. I got I got different you know different uh, things moving up and down. I don't know if people out there can hear me, but. The reason I'm trying this is is I'm hoping that it's going to equate to me having to leave the show less because of echo issues in my headset. So switching things up tonight for the audio just to see how this works. And if you guys can't hear me, let me know. There you have it. Uh, courtesy of who, uh, who else? Who, who else? else? Who else? Our boy, Rich, Rich. Rich Schultz of Mediascapes, <laughs> our flagship sponsor. That's the same microphone we use in the RV when we're on location. Headset too, I assume, Chris. Headset, yes, yes, the same setup, the same setup. So try to try to take that from the RV, put it in here, and uh, you know, so far so good, man. Very nice, very nice. And thank you for the concern, everybody. Yes, I yes. am. I might be a hundo. I'm pretty close. A full I'm, hundo. I'm close, man. Haven't haven't woke up with a sore throat at all. The sore throat was gone. I, I think I'm doing a little bit of the, um, you know, if this is too much information, apologies, but the hacking, you know, when you're when you're fighting through, when you're finally coming out of the woods of a, of a head cold situation and it starts to loosen, that's where I'm at. I feel great. Felt the body's just, today, just trying to get rid of it all, right? It's just trying to yeah, exactly. it up, phlegm. Yeah, okay. Honestly, the worst day I think was Saturday. I felt pretty sick on Saturday. I know like... Friday night when we did the podcast and then Saturday morning when we did it, I was like, you know, if I, if I wouldn't have known if I, that I had COVID, I probably would have, uh, probably would have showed up. That might've been a little premature, but when Saturday rolled around, I was, I was feeling a little bit sick and I, you know, I took some, took some day quill throughout the day. No big deal. I mean, still not even as bad as the flu. I mean, just like, yeah. kind of felt like a cold, but I'm good now. Appreciate everybody asking. Your color's back. You look good. I feel great. I think Wednesday I might even be able to hit the hit the press conference. That'll be Ooh. I think they've shifted now, isn't it? Like a five day quarantine. They they've scaled it back a little bit, I think. I'm not even sure, man. I haven't really been paying attention to the rules on it. I don't know how things have, have it, it feels like everybody just sort of kind of decided that they were <laughs> they were moving on. So I don't yeah. even know. Is there a protocol now? I think it's just five days. And so by Wednesday, if I'm symptom free and feeling good, like that'll be a five day mark and I should be able to kind of get back after it like normal. So um Mr. Bryler picked up the yes. slack today and checked out the press conference since I was not able to attend given my diagnosis. Yeah. Um We'll get into that a little bit, I think, maybe with our burning questions or just kind of as we go through the day. A couple things I wanted to start off with first. First and foremost, first and foremost, Chris, are you ready? I am ready. Let's hear it. Are you all the way ready, though? As ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> you hate to see it. We'll just pop our heads it. out the side right here. I mean, obviously, you know, Michigan fans aren't going aren't gonna to feel sorry for old Tuck. You know, he must have, 
you know, he had a he had a cigar, but it must not have been the victory cigar. That's all it was. Dude, the only I was going to say the only was. thing the only thing missing from that picture is like the cigar. But you know, like on the cartoons, how the end of the cigar explodes and like the face is like covered yeah. in soot. Like that's what it should be. Yeah. So obviously. <laughs> You know, Michigan fans loving that. It ended up being closer than it really was. They were getting their ass kicked, dude. They were down three touchdowns at halftime. Ended up losing by 11. And, I mean, just a, just a real, real shame that they tumbled all the way out of the top 25. I mean, how what a all sad the way day. Out? All the way out, Man, dude. That's, that's went, brutal. That's Went from number 11 to unranked. I mean, you know. Well, here's the thing. I think I might have to share my thoughts for later in the show for, for a very particular segment. So I would like to say more on the matter, but uh, yeah. I'm going to reserve judgment for the time being. I think I know where your head's at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously Michigan fans got a chance to watch that one because it was a night game and it was kind of on by itself. And yeah, they didn't look very good, dude. I mean, and you and I were kind of texting as it was going on. Um Bro, Michigan, JJ McCarthy, and those wide receivers should freaking eat, eat yeah. against that secondary and that Michigan State defense. And that's what, you know, it's a little ways on down the road now, but I know I know that's what a lot of people are thinking after watching Michael Penix just absolutely shred him up. Nice to dice. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable how good he looked in that uh in that game against Michigan State. So there you go. Of course, of course we're gonna throw that out there. I mean we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about it, but you see people bringing it up in the comments already. It's gonna come up again later, I'm sure. But let's talk about the Michigan game. Well I mean 59 nothing kicked their ass. It was yeah. a little blah, you know, noon kickoff. We talked about you know, the rushing touchdowns, the, none of them were big plays. It was just kind of like, man, again, then you look up and all oh, they're, they're winning 59 to nothing, averaging 55 points a game, three and oh, rolling over these crummy teams. Um, so we were actually both really close, dude. You said 56 to three and I said 59 to 10. So I got Michigan score, right? Gave a little too much credit to UConn. You were a little closer on that front. So I, you know, that's, Almost pat ourselves on the back, where they were within a couple, basically within a score of a of a lopsided blowout like that. And again, I was a dumbass. Oh, one <laughs> for five, one for five on Ooh, my pick. really wow. Okay, let's go through well, them, and you'll tell me why I was such a dumbass. Let's figure out where you went wrong, Brandon. Number one, JJ McCarthy will account for four plus touchdowns. Um, well, see, look at that. Probably the most puzzling, one of the, you know, one of the puzzling things that happened on Saturday, nobody's going to complain after a lopsided victory like that, probably except for us two guys here. <laughs> but, but the reality is JJ goes out, you know, two Saturdays ago against Hawaii and just has an incredible evening, has three touchdowns. And you would have liked to have seen that momentum carry over into UConn. I know he didn't have to throw. A bunch yeah. of touchdowns, but it doesn't mean you don't want to see it. And so do I do I like the fact that JJ McCarthy threw zero touchdowns Saturday against UConn? No, I don't think that's a good look, especially when you look at, you know, what some of the you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, what guys like that are doing. I feel like, you know, it, it's it's not a it's not ideal. You'd like to see your quarterback get one in the end zone. So I mean you know, six, seven, eight, nine quarterbacks played, whatever it was, like right. seven of them yeah. completed a pass. I mean, JJ barely saw the field in the second half, which, I mean, it is what it is. We talked about maybe wanting to see a little bit more of a dress rehearsal. And I, I think JJ actually did play a little bit in the he second did. half, but it was probably yeah. because Cade got hurt, not because he was going to play 
Um, that's a bummer. Cade McNamara going to be out some extended time per Jim Harbaugh. So, yeah, I mean, look, after we saw what we saw against Hawaii, it kind of looked like JJ was just going to come out and deal. Like, you know, whether it's running here, running there, throwing downfield, little bubble screens with speed that UConn just couldn't handle. And yeah. we just didn't see it. No touchdowns for JJ McCarthy in a 15. Michigan scores 59 points and not one touchdown. Come, well, I take that back. One touchdown did come through the air, but it was uh, Alan Bowman, and he was actually like a yard and a half past the line of scrimmage. So whatever. I mean, well, it's neither here nor there. Um, but JJ had another incredibly efficient day. That's what I was trying to pull yes. up. I can't remember what his stat line was. 15 of 18 for 214 yards. I mean, he was surgical with it again. Looked really good. Just didn't get into the end zone. And yeah, Blake Corum had five freaking rushing touchdowns. That's I'm going to yeah. lump number two in with number one. Well, I guess he could have got it if it was a reverse. We've seen that. Roman Wilson, I thought, would score a touchdown. He did not. I mean, you know, he had been scoring like every time he got the ball. So I'm like, well, if he gets it a few times, he's going to get in there. Yeah, stands to reason. I mean, I think he's got, what, six receptions on the year. So, you know, not many receptions, but he, he scores like half the time he touches the ball. So, again, yeah. an another pretty safe bet based on what we saw the first two weeks that he was going to score again. Surprised he didn't. And and it, it's another one of those things where it's like J.J. didn't have a touchdown. Uh, Roman doesn't score. But, you know, there's Michigan knocking on the door for 60 points on the afternoon. So, again, so, it's hard to complain. Yeah, and I mentioned the corner. This is – when you hear what his, I mean, didn't go for a hundred, but when you hear that he scored five touchdowns, you're like, oh, he must have ran it quite a bit. I yeah. thought that Blake Corum would carry it at least 15 times because Donovan Edwards was likely out, which he was. He didn't. He carried it 12 times and scored on five of them. So again, yeah. I was wrong. 15 plus carries. No, he only carried it 12 times. I think he finished with, what was it? 70. Yeah. 71 yards and the five touchdowns. I mean, obviously incredibly effective. Three of them from a yard out. I think one was 20 and one was uh, 17 or 11 or something like that. I don't know. So nothing real long, no super explosives, but dude, he found the end zone five times. Yeah. Well, we talked about this on the phone a little bit earlier and I think you made a good point and, and it got me thinking that, you know, the, the five touchdowns against UConn while great is not on par with, you know, five touchdowns against an Ohio state. And so right. I, I kind of compared that to, you know, essentially like the bully walking down the hall and shoving the, you know, the smaller kid into the locker repeatedly. I mean, that's what Michigan was doing. They could push UConn around. They could pretty much do whatever they wanted to do. If, if a running back wanted to get five touchdowns, they were going to get five touchdowns. The concern that I have is that I would have rather than see Blake Corum get five. I'm sure, you know, it's great for Blake and, you know, it's an awesome thing to see happen. But rather than Blake have five touchdowns, I'd rather see maybe that number go down to two and take those three touchdowns and spread the love to the wide receiver group. And I know that we're going to get to that a little bit later, but you know, it, five touchdowns is five touchdowns. It's an incredible afternoon, but it, it was pretty light work, man. He didn't have to carry the ball much to make it happen. Any, anybody out there that doesn't like us right now needs to tune in right now and be like, Jesus, listen to these guys complaining about where the, touch, where the touchdowns are coming from. Like they're, that's what they're whining about. Yes, dude. You know, yeah. I gotta be honest, Brandon. I'm really unhappy with the five touchdown outing from Blake Corum. I just, I, I, I'm not feeling it. I mean, dude, if there, if there was a crowd out there right now that wasn't feeling us, Nick. that would be it. I look, I'm with you though, dude. I mean, all right, five touchdowns on the ground is a banner day for a running back. Yes, three of them were from a yard out. Not very exciting. And it just comes back to wanting to get all those 
all those fancy shiny toys involved, dude. You've got so much speed on the outside, so many guys that can do so many things. Yeah, CJ says we're thieves of joy. That's a, that's a phrase that we have now coined, and I guess that means that's what we are. Damn it, it's right. coming back to roost. Um, my fourth prediction was that this one's always a little bit, you know, there's some luck involved. But I thought Michigan would force two turnovers against a severely outmatched team, and it yeah. was just one fumble. I think it was in the first half. George Rooks, lightly used defensive lineman, jumped on it, covered it up. So yeah. only one turnover. I don't know. Did I actually think you were agree? You agreed with me on that one, even though turnovers can sometimes be hard to predict. But I thought they would get yeah. at least two. Well, I mean, it, it it was pretty much what we thought it was going to be. UConn was severely overmatched and. And usually when you get into a situation like that, especially with the way the defense has been playing, you know, again, not getting to the quarterback in, in terms of sacks a lot, but they're they're just they're disruptive and they're making things difficult. And so you would think that there would have been a, a few more or a couple more turnovers there. But um, again, you know, this is another thing. Uh, Michigan has not allowed a single point in the first half of a game this year. Like nobody has scored against Michigan in the first half, and so for any concerns you might have about the defense, it's hard to argue with the result with the results when the scoreboard looks the way it does. That's a nice stat. I don't know if I had heard that yet. I mean, I, when I think back now, I was like, oh yeah, that was blowing up forty-two nothing. Yeah, okay, yeah, obviously a shot. How about this? Going even further, uh, of the seventeen points that Michigan has given up this this season, uh, fourteen of the seventeen have come in the fourth quarter. So only three yeah. points allowed in you know, through three quarters, all three weeks, which is pretty impressive. Yep. So that, I mean, the defense has been lights out. albeit against, I mean, literally three of the worst teams. In the pretty bad teams. Yeah. There's really no way to slice it. Those three teams are bad teams. Um, but it, you know, you go out there and you do what you can, you play who's in front of you and that they've, they've been, they crushed them. I mean, there's, that's, that's as simple as it is. And that, Leads me to my last one, the only one that I got right on the day. Michigan will cover the spread. It was it was forty seven and a half. They won by fifty nine. Uh, just a a massive win over a, a very outmatched team in UConn. Yeah, and and averaging fifty five point three points per game, good for number one in the nation. I think it's the first time the Michigan football program has started the season scoring fifty yep. more than fifty points in in the first three consecutive games. So. Yeah, there. I mean, we knew that they would cover the spread just based on the matchup they did, and it's going to be interesting to see how that translates into conference play. And and that'll be, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But they've obviously looked really good the first three weeks. The question is, what does that mean for conference play coming up? And and we'll find out in a week. We will. We will find out. Michigan already a seventeen point favorite over Maryland. I think that number's low. I, I think that number's low. I think Michigan's yeah. going to beat them by more than that. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. And then obviously they just announced it today. Noon kickoff at Kinnick, the first road test, the first real test. And, and that's what, I mean, even before the season started, everybody thought like there, there there's the first that's game yep. where you're really going to find out what they've got, what they're it made It reminds of. me of Wisconsin last year. Everybody sort of yeah. pointed to that game and said, look, that's going to be the one where you find out is Michigan, you know, are, are, are they legit? Is there something here? And if you ask the players, that was also the time where they started to really believe and the switch flipped to where they were like, shit, I think we can win a championship here. And so yeah. I kind of view Iowa the same thing. We know that Iowa, you know, has not looked good uh, the early part of the year. Everybody wants to go back and talk about what happened in Indianapolis. But again, Indianapolis is not Kinnick. And when you go into Kinnick and when you're in Iowa City and you're in front of that crowd, 
that's a tricky environment, especially when you're a top-ranked team, when you're a top-five team going into Kinnick. They get up for those games. There's a different type of energy, and I'm, I'm telling you, I really think there's a lot of people out there that think it's going to be a bloodbath at Iowa, and I really think they're going to fight them tooth and nail. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Got to get past Maryland first, but that's the game, obviously, that everybody's been looking at. And I'm excited to go. Never been there. I'm excited to I'm see Kinnick. Very excited. excited to see Iowa City. I'm excited to see yeah. what that's all about. Excited to get Rosie out on the open road <laughs> on the road again. I mean, yeah. the command center is going to be barreling out her. West. She was born for highway living, man. She's been, she's been Can't itching wait. to get out on the road. Can't wait. All right. You know what time it is. You know what time it is. This fucking guy. <laughs> so many people's favorite segment. This fucking yeah. guy. The only thing that I don't like about it is that it's just pretty short. I mean, we kind of come in, we do a little dog, and then we're out of there. Maybe, but maybe it, we should maybe we should have like a few of them instead of one that we really hone in on. You know, maybe we should create a list because you're right; it, it would be fun to. There's there's usually several people that qualify yeah. for the title of TFG. We, we we don't always stop at one. That's true. You That's know, true. sometimes we this fucking guy throw a couple more in there. All right, um. Dude, is this our first donation? Can you see that, Chris? I just saw that. And I thought it was spam. Does that mean somebody donated? Chris Fields. To the Dude. Chris Fields, listen. Are you hey, kidding me? Chris Fields, you, you just won yourself some sort of swag. I'm not sure what it is, but the first donation came in. That's I, I didn't even know we could do that. Well, it just that just went live like last week as we rolled wow. over a thousand subscribers and I did a little right. clicking around and got our stuff activated. That's incredible, dude. You know what? Chris Fields is this fucking guy, but in the positive, <laughs> in the positive. That's, that's right. What I'm talking that's about right. man. Appreciate you, Chris. Thank you very really much. Really appreciate that, man. Really, really appreciate that. Um, man, I'm all, I'm all, I'm about to be dogging on somebody now. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 rolling on a ten dollar high right there. Dude. Get him, Brandon. That. Get in on it. Love it. This fucking guy. All right, you want me to go first, Chris? I think I know Good where job. you're going. You've kind of hinted at it. I yeah, mean, maybe I have. Yeah, I've hinted at it. Yeah, well, kick it you, go, you go ahead you then. Go ahead? I, think, I think you I, let the cat out of the bag a little bit. It's Mel Tucker. It's yeah. Mel Tucker. He's my TFG of the week. Look, we had to, as as Michigan fans, as people who follow the program, as people who share the great state of Michigan with Michigan State Spartan fans, it was a long summer, man, watching – uh, Mel Tucker roll out rental cars into the stadium and do the photo shoots and do the cigars and do the gold chains and do the chap life and do the deep water and do the woodshed and all the monikers and all the BS. And then you go out on the road against an unraked team and you get your ass handed to you. So to me, it just proves that I don't know. I feel like Michigan State put this big fat target on him and said, "Look, we're legit. We're the real deal. You know, we're 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 going out west to show what Chop Life Deep Water is all about." And they got their asses handed to them. And so Michigan State pretty much is, uh, at least as of now, who uh, who I thought they would be this year. And like I said at the beginning of the season, it's not going to be enough for Michigan to just beat that team when they come into the big house later on this year. Michigan needs to beat the shit out of that team and make sure that. There's just no room for talking here for the next several months. Cause I'm tired. I can't listen to smart dog anymore. I can't listen. To yeah, I mean, appreciate you. Appreciate you big time, man. Look, I, that's that's just awesome that that's on there. I I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize that that part of it was like a thing. The the super chat or the donation thing. I mean, no. 
once we rolled over a thousand subs on YouTube, then I was able to monetize. I had to go through and enter some information. I didn't know that was going to be part of it. So that's amazing. Um, this fucking guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's what it's like you said. It's the it's the portrayal of how everything is and what they're doing and like fifty hashtags on the side of their, you know, stadium and this and that. And then it's prime time. It's you know the night game out west, and you got you got punk. <laughs> They got punks, man. There's no, there's no way around it. Um, did you, did you happen to see uh, Mel Tucker's quote about uh, himself? By the way, I'm not sure if you caught that. Um, I don't. I believe I this isn't actually about what he said today, but yeah. So, so this is Mel Tucker, and Mel Tucker apparently co- coaches the cornerbacks uh, at okay. Michigan State. Um, the the secondary, the defense gave up nearly 400 yards to Penix, and here's here's Mel Tucker's quote: "Hell yeah, I take it personal. I take it all personal." The resume is on tape. Right now, I'm a horseshit football coach. And oh, I couldn't yeah. agree anymore. I couldn't agree anymore. And that's why he's my team. That is, that's pretty damning to say that about yourself. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not in disagreements, but... You ever called yourself a horseshit anything, Chris? Not sober. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to say this one, and this is not really meant to be like a joke, like let's laugh at this guy, Um, but dude, the spiral and just the, dude, Amani Bates, did you see this, Chris? He was arrested with a gun. I Um, I mean, dude, from, from, from watching this kid as a sophomore in high school, sophomore, freshman and sophomore in high school, I mean, I live in Ipsy, he went to Ipsy Lincoln, it's right around the corner. I went and watched him play a couple times. I'm like, this kid's the truth. He, he's going to go on and do great things. It's really, it's so cool that he lives right here. You know, then he did his little thing with his his dad at the academy, and then he commits to Michigan State. I'm like, damn, you know, he's going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really know if it, him and Izzo are going to mesh real well, but you know, Izzo will probably get some good some good play out of him. And then that didn't work, and he goes to Memphis, and it's a shit show down there with Anthony Hardaway, and you know, the press conference is a mess, and then he's there, and then he's not, and then he's leaving, and he goes to transfer. Nobody wants him, so he ends up at Eastern back home, and now he's back home. He's probably running with some dudes he shouldn't be running with, and he's in a car with a gun, and now he's in, he got arrested. Well, I, I mean, I think that's apparent, right, by being in a car. Now, from what I heard on the radio, um, I, I was listening as I was driving back from the press conference. And from what I heard, the statement that was put out was he borrowed somebody's car. I think it was a friend's car, and the gun happened to be in the car. And that you know, don't don't cast judgment. You know, wait until you you hear the whole story. But again, it's like you know, you 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 put yourself in these type. Like I have not been caught in a car with a gun in it just because right, right. Not, you know that I'm not ever in a situation like that. So I just, I think a lot of it's self-inflicted and you're right. It has just kind of been this soap opera from, from the very beginning. And it sucks because there was a lot of talent there and there was the belief that this was going to become something special. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, I think you were right. It has been a shit show pretty much the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's two ways, there's two ways to look at that. What you just said, one is what you just said, like, all right, cool. It's not his gun. Don't cast judgment. But like, bro, like I, that's never happened to me. I, yeah. Why are you, who are you hanging around with and pounding around with where there's a gun in the car? You don't even know about it. You get pulled over and there it is. Or on the flip side, like that's a likely story. You know, you get pulled over. <laughs> How many things on like every cop Listen, show or yeah. thing ever? That ain't mine. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I was going to say, I've watched cops enough to know yeah. that that's the first thing you say is I borrowed the car. That's not my gun. I don't know where that came from. Now, again, 
this right. you know DJ, entirely it's always someone else's fault you hear that go. too exactly. often with these big time athletes man never wanting to take responsibility and that's been a problem with him since he was in high school like problems here problems there it's not his fault it's someone else it's this it's that you know i like i said i'm not i'm not trying to use that segment to like i'm hoping the kid gets it together man because yeah. Like I said, I watched him when he was a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school. That He's just a kid, dude. He's 14, 15, all the talent in the world. What Really wondered how he would play out. Like, is this kid going to make it to the NBA? And then I can say, like, dude, I, kid's right from where I live, man. And I watched him play when he was in high school. Like, how cool is that? And, I mean, that looks like that looks like a pipe dream at this point. And I, I hope he gets it together, man, because it would just be really unfortunate to see him go down that road, that path all the little issues here and there, whether it's his support system or the people he's with, or again, him himself at some point, man, he got out. He's probably 20 years old now. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Um, got to get that, got to get that stuff figured out, man. Got to get that stuff figured out and do better. And you know, I, I hope it's, I hope he does, you know, like all jokes aside, he was committed to Michigan state. It's been kind of a circus people kind of, you know, making fun of it and whatever. I, Hope he gets it together, dude, because I, you know, that's that just would suck if he falls victim to all that kind of stuff like that. So Absolutely. Anyway, there's that, dude. I just uh I saw that come across and I'm just like, good lord, man. Like that kid went from like the skyrocket as a freshman in high school to now, like I, I knew I knew as soon as I saw as soon as I saw the article pop up, I didn't I didn't before I even read what it was about, I knew it was something controversial just because that yeah. seems like that's the only time he pops up. Okay, he is young. That's right. He reclassified. So he's yeah, he's probably I just see that someone saying he's only 18, but I mean 18, 19, 20, you're young, but you're not you're not five. I mean, you know, like you gotta make some you gotta make some good choices, man. That's all there that's all there is to, that's all there is to, to it. Just gotta do better. Um all right, here we go. A little bit on the pro football focus. I think we did a little music on this before, if I remember correctly. What did we do? We'll do a little of that right there. Obviously, Michigan dominated the game. Um, so, you know, if you look back and forth about, like, who maybe did the best, I personally thought it would, like, well, it's probably Blake Corum. He had five touchdowns. But it actually wasn't. He Blake Corum was not even in the top three when it comes to the top performers on offense. Let me give you three guys, Chris, and tell me what you remember about their game and why they might be up near the top. Number one, one Mr. Captain Ron. Ronald Bell was the highest-graded player on Michigan's offense. Seven catches, 96 yards. I mean, that dude doesn't really have bad games very often. I know he had a fumble earlier this year, maybe a couple, knocking some rust off. But he's number one. Roman Wilson, number two. Didn't find his way into the end zone, but had another good game. Three catches for 64 yards and a 26-yard carry. And number three, which I love to see because he's been down near the bottom in the first two games, Mr. Trente Jones, the starting right tackle, came in at number three. So thoughts on those three dudes being at the top of the list? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised by Ronnie Bell. Obviously, the last couple games he's come on ever since, you know, we talked about, like, geez, can can a Michigan wide receiver get more than two receptions in a game? I think week two he came out and he had what seven receptions and then he follows it up with another. He's you know, got fourteen total. That's actually like a respectable right. number. I mean, he's got fourteen. Roman Wilson's got six, and then it's like a whole slew of guys with four and three and two. And so he's he's by far and away the top target there. I'm not surprised by that. And yeah, it's nice to see, you know, Trent Day Jones. 
um, obviously worked his way into that that starting lineup there, and, and it's been nice to see his steady progression. I know that PFF ranked him uh, lower in the first couple games, and to see him ranked up near the top, I mean, again, I'm not really quite sure what formula they're using, but it's nice to see him moving up because, I mean, he's a good dude. He works really hard, and, and it's nice to see some of that pay off. I mean, you got to think, this is third start. I mean, that's yeah. a new player over there at right tackle. Very athletic, young guy still in terms of football age, figuring it out. I think he'll be good in the long haul. But, yeah, he gave up he gave up some sacks, man. He had a couple whiffs in the first two weeks, but settled in, did much better according to Pro Football Focus in week three, both in the run game and in the passing game. So you, you like to see that improvement from week to week. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to give you three and – I got to be honest, dude. I mean, all three of these guys have been flashing at times this year, and it's it's just great to see these three names. One of them's been up there every week. I'll get to him in a second, Chris. I know we're both really high on him. But number one, best defensive graded player in that game was Jamon Green, the starting cornerback. was targeted only twice and gave up no catches. So he, he clamped it down for the day. Uh, was also good against the run and didn't miss any tackles. Number two, this is the guy that's been up there just about every week, man. It's Junior Colson. The yeah. kid is shining as a sophomore. He's in around the ball a lot, makes a lot of tackles. Um, he actually graded out really, really well as a coverage linebacker, which is not necessary. Like, he's plenty athletic enough to do it. But if I said, Chris, give me, like, the three things that Junior Colson does the best, probably not coverage. Coverage wouldn't be one of them. Yeah, and he apparently did really well. In coverage per pro football focus. And number three, dude. Number three. I'm trying to find the button. No, dog. no. <laughs> dog. 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 He's a dog. Might be Sainra still, dude. Ooh, yeah. I mean, the captain. He's a real deal. He's he a real is the deal. real deal at cornerback yeah. at nickel. I guess he's been playing nickel. I think Clink said he's even probably, he's going to get a look at one of the boundary or field corners at some point. Yeah, man. I think he'll do great. He actually graded – I wish I would have wrote this down because I'm going off the top of my head now. I think he might have been the highest graded player on the team when it comes to pass rush. But he, yeah. just keeps, he just keeps doing well at that, getting sacks, getting hits on the quarterback, being back there. He was targeted twice, gave up one catch, only for eight yards. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, – the athleticism, when, when he makes – like the way he makes decisions out there, he's quick and he's decisive. And when he lower, he like he obviously he can cover. But when he lowers his shoulder, I mean, he brings the wood. The guy, I mean, you could hear the pads smacking out there. He's a smaller, yes. undersized guy, but he plays way above his height and weight. Um, I know we've talked about him before, and I think you said it on the last show. That guy went from like, okay, you know, he's a wide receiver, lost in the wash. Where is he? You know, where is he going to fall in the rotation? To now he's going on defense. Probably not going to see much from him. To like. Oh shit, he's a starter. Oh shit, he's a captain. Oh shit, he's out there making big time plays. Like he's one of the top players on the defense because he is. I just I can't say enough about Mike Sainer still, man. I've been so impressed with him. Such a big fan of what he's doing out there. There's a reason why I take about a hundred photos of him every single Saturday. Coach uh, Steve Klinkscale called him a coach on the field. So it's not yeah. just what you're seeing, it's it's what they're hearing and ex experiencing out on the field with him as a as a leader as a captain yeah i'm with you can't say enough about him he's been a he's been he's been by far the biggest pleasant surprise of the season so far through three games and like i said i like i'm not even looking at him as a former receiver anymore he looks like a db right i said it last time i'm like damn 
what if he had come in and played corner from day one? Like, where would he be at now as a four-year cornerback? You just wonder. But he's he's been phenomenal. No question about it. All right. Bottom dwellers, I never like to focus on this a bunch, but I think especially on offense, it's telling because we've had issues with this, and I think this is part of what you know pro football's focus is and maybe a part that we don't see. We just see the box score or yeah. the or the lack of production, and we say, like, what, what's going on here? But the bottom three players on Michigan's offense, again, a 15-snap minimum, Cornelius Johnson, Andrell Anthony, Eric All. That's the bottom three performers. Now, is that pro football focus looking at their, you know, them running routes and not getting any separation, not getting open, not – Andrew Anthony didn't have a catch. Cornelius Johnson didn't have a catch. And Eric All had one grab for four yards. Dude, those three guys, Andrew Anthony, who we saw absolutely explode last year at Michigan State, Eric All, who Jim Harbaugh said could be the best tight end to ever play at Michigan – and Cornelius Johnson, who went over the 22-mile-an-hour mark on an 87-yard touchdown last year against Western Michigan, the three of them, you've got a senior Eric All, a senior Cornelius Johnson, and a young sophomore who we all think the world of, combining for one catch for four yards. Well, see, this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show in Blake Corum with those five touchdowns. So you just named off three guys, right? It was Andrew Anthony, Eric All, and who else? Cornelius Johnson. Cornelius. Yep. Would have been nice to see those guys get in the end zone once and have, you know, Blake Corum still have two touchdowns. And that's where I'm saying, like, yeah, it sounds like you're nitpicking. It sounds like you're complaining just to complain. But the fact that those three guys combined for one catch for four yards, to me, it's important that they get into a rhythm. They get used to having their hands on the ball. And and we'll get into Andrew Anthony a little bit later because it's something that, that has been brought up, you know, quite a few times on the show. I'm just – I don't understand it. And I feel, you know, we, we were talking on the phone earlier and I'm getting deja vu from last year because we watched Michigan go out, kick the shit out of everybody to open up the season. And you and I were sitting there saying, yeah, but you know, the offense and they're not quite doing this. And at some point it's not going to work. And then sure as shit, it just continued to work all year and, and got them into the college football playoff. And so I'm still concerned that I don't know that what I've seen the first few weeks is a recipe for success. But, you know, I, I guess they've earned the right to have the benefit of the doubt at this point. I just I hope they don't you don't want to see them get into a situation where their backs are against the wall. They need points. They got to go deep and they don't have the experience in doing it, at least not on Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about. I mean, it's not complaining. It's I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a little more when we think that they have just so much talent, like so much talent oozing. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I see a lot of the vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. I, there's no question. They didn't need to break the bank and open every single thing. Look, I'm with you on the vanilla, but I'm sorry. There's a difference between vanilla offense and Andrew Anthony having one catch for four yards in three games. Yeah. There, there's a difference there. You're not going to convince me otherwise. So I don't disagree. You know, straight give, straight give. JJ's run the ball twice or whatever, you know, three times. I mean, like, I get it. They're not opening every single thing up. But, dude, those three guys that I just named should never finish a game with one catch for four yards combined. It just shouldn't happen. You know, thieves of joy. I know. Uncle Mike saying it. CJ saying it. You guys can all pound saying I want to see him throw it around, man. Throw it around. Fling the rock. That's all I'm asking. Now, this surprises me. 
Chris, and I want to get your opinion on this too, because yeah. I'm guessing it's going to surprise you as well. Michigan held UConn to 86 yards rushing. That's it for the whole game, 86. They had, uh, where's that number? 2.6 yards per carry did the Huskies. <laughs> Yet somehow, this is where we always say, pro football focus is not the Bible. They're not right on everything. I would love yeah. to see a play-by-play -play breakdown of why this is. But the bottom three defenders, Mason Graham, Mozzie Smith, and Rayshon Benny, the middle of that D-line yeah. that pretty much kept UConn bottled up all day. I, you know, I'll give you a quick rundown of what their explanation says just on their grading. There's not like a written out thing, but it, they show you like what they did, what they didn't do, and all these different categories. So Graham's obviously still a freshman. He's like figuring it out. I, you yeah. know, it's not the worst thing in the world for him to play 20 snaps and not have a great game. Um, but they they said that he was weak against the run. He didn't. I don't think he recorded a tackle, and maybe he just got blown off the ball a few times and didn't you know didn't hold his gap. I don't know. But he was the worst graded. Mozzie only had one tackle and played a ton of snaps. I think it was the most snaps he's played through three games. Wasn't great as a pass rusher either. And then Rayshon Benny um recorded a he actually recorded a tackle and had a couple of hurries but i was surprised to see that because i know that uconn's offense didn't do anything and i'm like damn all three defensive tackles that played quite a bit didn't grade out too well well i mean and i think that goes back to what we've said before that i, I don't necessarily take it as gospel so there's there's some situations where it seems to make sense there's others where it's puzzling and so that's why i think you know, it's great for the online stuff, the social media stuff. It's awesome for fans yeah, to talk about. But, yeah. you know, beyond that, I really, you know, I, I don't put too much stock into it. I'm not looking at that being like, Mozzie's just really coming up short. I mean, like, no, that's not what it is. But, you know, they're grading everybody on the same scale and looking at every single play. That's more than I'm doing. I'm not going yeah. play by play on every single guy. So, you know, I do You're put not? some value in there. Nah, you know, not, not really. I do go back and watch the game a couple of times, but am I watching all 27 of Rayshon Benny's snaps <laughs> by himself? I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I'm not doing that. If we could use video and do some breakdown shit, I might. That'd be, that'd be phenomenal. Do that. So there you go. There's the segment on Pro Football Focus. Appreciate everybody tuning in. And now I would like you all to tune in to our boy, the one, the only, Rich Schultz. Hey, this is Rich from Mediascapes located in Burton. Let me fill you in a little bit about our business. We are a full-service sign and graphic company from banners, yard signs, to vehicle wraps. When it comes to marketing your business, we also provide video and photography services as well as apparel and promotional items. If it's something that will make your business or organization stand out, we do it. And I guarantee we do it well. We are Mediascapes on Dora Highway, south of Bristol Road, just before Rock Bottom. Check out our work at Mediascapes.com. That's Mediascapes with a K.com. There you have it. Our commercial from Rich. Again, the logo, the spelling, the phone number, the location, and the tagline. Check them out if you need anything. We've done this. We're going to yeah. continue to do it. Rich is the man. He does it all. He helps us out a ton. I'm super glad he was there on Saturday since I couldn't be. It sounded like it went well and he helped out. And I mean, he, He's one of those guys where like he shows up. And he's, he's, he's kind of quiet. And then like, I'm setting up, I'm doing my audio stuff and he's like, well, I'll take care of that. And I'll do that. And he's just like, he's making things come together. It just, it, it, he makes things easy. And that's why I, I, 
Like we haven't really taken out, we haven't taken on any sponsors uh, before prior to this year. And the fact that he was really the first and we have the opportunity to promote his business. I'm, I'm so happy to do it every single time because he has been such an asset to what we're trying to do into our growth this year. And so I encourage anybody, man, if you got a business, if you, if you've got an idea and you're not sure what to do with it, regardless of what it is, take it over to rich. And I guarantee he can at least point you in the right direction. There you have it. And look at this little shot. I don't remember Chris if Chesning did Chesning mess with Atherton at all, or was that New Lothrop? Atherton? No, nah, nah, we didn't mess with no Atherton. Out, out I mean, we, New Lothrop, we used to beat the brakes off them and everything. I mean, like literally, like football <laughs> was like a forty to near forty to nothing. Mike's got a couple years on me, six years older than me, but dude, we used to whoop that ass. <laughs> oh man, did we whoop Atherton's ass? Now is that is that another is that another like are they out in the sticks? Is it another farm school? Because that's how it was. I know New Lothrop, Chesonane, that area, like all that strength that those football that's working on the farm. That's you know that's that type of life. Yeah, I don't. I mean, so it's like Flint sub. It's like Flint area. So Burton, it's like Burton Bendel, Burton Atherton, Burton Bentley. Right like they were like if they had been one big school, they'd been respectable maybe. But breaking them up wasn't a great idea. I don't think because they weren't. Bendel was always pretty good. Anyway, all right. What the hell yeah. am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Start a little high school bad. football here. About early two thousands, New Lothrop Atherton matchup. Right. I mean, hemorrhaging viewers. Holy hell! Get me going, dude. Well, dude, it's it's time. We're at the forty minute mark. We're gonna oh. go north. We're gonna go north of an hour. It's happening. But it's what we do. Ooh. Can you feel the heat? I can. Cockles are warms the cockles of the heart. Okay, Darren, we haven't mentioned Wolverine State Brewing Company yet, but I will. Wolverine Bre Wolverine State Brewing Company website is wolverinebeer.com. They claim yes. to have the best nachos in Michigan. I will I will champion that <laughs> forever. Chris, we've gone there three or four yeah. times. How many times have I gotten the nachos? Every single time. Every time. <laughs> uh, I I got the sloppy Irishman one time, which was like- And you regretted it, didn't you? You were like, damn, should have got the nachos. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I said. You will not. And dude, by the way, you can get like that. I got the half size. Takes me like three separate sit downs to eat it, dude. Oh, <laughs> massive heaping pile of nachos. So you know it's big. Either pulled pork or barbecue chicken, and it is the bomb, dude. Please go to Wolverine State Brewing Company and get you some nachos and Chris's favorite- and they got a cool little spot out there in Ann Arbor. Yeah, like you said, it's not too far, a couple miles away from the stadium, but they got some nice outdoor seating covered area out there. It's just a cool vibe. Obviously great beer on tap. Definitely worth the trip. Absolutely. And Brian, yeah, man, uh, feeling good. I mean, I don't know if I would still test positive or not. I haven't taken another one yet, but my symptoms are pretty much gone. Barring a setback, dude, I'll be there. I mean, that's the plan. Felt a little crummy Friday, Saturday, fighting it off yesterday. Feel good today. We'll just have to see how the rest of the week goes. So, yeah, that's the plan. All right. Burning questions, Chris. You want to come in hot or you want me to? Kick us off, Brandon. All right. Chris, it's, it's man, it's what we just talked about so much. How do you weigh in both directions now? Let me tell you in both directions because Michigan has scored 55 points a game, but we just talked about the lack of usage with some of those weapons that we would love to see. So as a big picture discussion, how do you weigh what Michigan has done on offense, good and bad versus these opponents that they're playing? How do you weigh just the whole, the whole matzo ball, dude, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle? 
Well, I think I obviously I think anytime you can get experience on Saturdays, that's that's valuable and you need that and and it, and it helps your football team. But I also think that it go, you know, we had the same conversation last year. It was what are you going to do with those opportunities? Each game was going to present an opportunity for you to do something and to learn something about yourself. And I just I I struggle to figure out how much you can learn about yourself, truly learn about yourself when a, the talent is inferior and B the guys who are your starters really don't even have to play two halves of football. And so we're going to find out, you know, what is it? Does Michigan still look like a bully this upcoming Saturday? Do they get over the 50 point mark again? Does, you know, do all things look consistent or, you know, is it kind of like Rutgers last year where, you know, it looked like Michigan sh should beat the shit out of them. And I think it ended up in like a 14, six game or something like that. It was way closer than it needed to be. Um, you know, we'll find out, but I guess that's how I answer that question is, each one of those games presented an opportunity for Michigan to figure something out. And I come away from those three games still having a lot of questions, mainly on the offensive side of the ball and that wide receiver. Just as a reminder, Michigan beat Maryland 59 to 18 last year in college park. So I know it's a new year. It's a new team. Both teams have some new things going on, new coordinators at Michigan. Obviously JJ's now the QB, you know, what, whether what are we going to get out of Donovan Edwards? That's a, that's another you know another week we will see. Maryland game was his coming out party last year, right? Well, I what, what I would say is, and, and I'm glad CJ brought that up because it's it's worth noting that that's not just you know me a guy who's you know being an asshole and trying to be you know too pessimistic about what happened. Even Blake Corum said we're not really sure how good we are. We haven't been tested yet. We'll figure it out, but we're not quite sure yet. And and that's kind of where, you know, you're not going to figure out how good you are against weak opponents, but you can certainly figure out a little bit more about yourself than I think they found out the first three weeks. And, you know, again, we'll see what that, what that all adds up to this weekend when Big Ten play kicks off. Yeah, Michigan scored 28 points in the third quarter of last year's game against Maryland. D.J. Turner had the pick six. Donovan Edwards had the you know buck seventy incredible uh, air a touchdown or two, so I mean they they just they just boat raced them in College Park and like I mean I don't know if we're gonna see the same thing in Ann Arbor, but Michigan's like I said seventeen point favorite they're gonna they're gonna be expected to win by a lot, and I don't know so I'm just you know like I said all that stuff considered scoring a lot of points not doing it super flashy lots of weapons that haven't been involved. Running game has been eh, – I mean, Blake Corum had five touchdowns, but he still only had 71 yards. Three games in, very weak opponents still haven't had a 100-yard rusher. If you had told me before the season started that they would play those three teams and nobody would run for 100 yards, I would have told you you were insane. Yeah. So, again, haven't needed it, but that's, where, that's why I asked the question the way I did. What's the whole thing – look like and mean to you we're gonna we're gonna see here in about six days all right Brent, what's the name of this segment again what do we call this burning questions. burning questions dude i have a question that is burning a hole in in my soul and so okay. i'm just gonna ask you i'm looking for answers I'm, I'm truly curious brandon what's the deal with andrell anthony what's the i mean one reception for what four or five yards through three games we saw what he was capable of doing last year in East Lansing. I told, you know, when we talked on the phone earlier today, I said, I just feel like you don't go out and have that type of performance on accident when you're snagging the ball out of the air, you're burning the defense with your speed. 
it seems to me that there's a lot of talent there, but it obviously hasn't translated to the field the first three weeks of the season. So I'll go back to the original question. What's the deal with Andrell Anthony? Well, I don't think it stops just at Andrell. I mean, I know he's a guy that we both expected to take a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. We did the sit down with him. He was just an awesome kid, hungry. All three of those dudes hungry. J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Andrell Anthony. You know they want to be a part of this resurgence. You know they want to be more involved, and he just hasn't been, dude. I mean, I just said it in the last segment. Cornelius Johnson, Eric All, Andrew Anthony, one catch, four yards, and a 59-point outburst. Like, that's crazy to me. Andrew Anthony played 26 snaps against UConn. That's like a decent amount for a wide receiver in a deep room where they really only played like a half of football. That's not a bad amount of plays to be out there on the field and no catches. You know, maybe he wasn't getting open. Maybe he's I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer. I, I mean, like I said, it's not just him. I think you could ask that about a lot of guys. Um, again, Eric Ald, Jim Harbaugh said that's the, maybe the best tight end to ever play here. Well, then maybe you throw him the ball. Give him a shot. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, again, nitpicking, complaining, we're thieves of joy, whatever, whatever, whatever. But <laughs> I want to see number one running down the field with the ball in his hands, dude. Really I want to see big Eric Ald. I mean, Brandon, I'm only, I'm not, I'm only asking for maybe like two catches a game for number one. That's all I I'm like. I feel like, you know, people are getting the wrong. I'm not saying he's got to go out and have eight or nine receptions for, you know, 250 yards and three touchdowns, but can he get a couple of catches for the, through the first three weeks? Like, that's what I'm saying. And it goes back to the Blake Corum thing. Awesome that he had five touchdowns, but I would much rather one of those go to Eric all and another one go to Andrew Anthony, another one go to Roman Wilson or Cornelius Johnson or somebody else where you just see that. How much time did we spend talking about how deep this wide receiver room was yeah. and how many weapons they had out there? And for me, it was like, all right, the first three weeks, now you've got the quarterback situation settled with JJ. You got to let him go out there and sling it around and, and develop that chemistry and that rhythm and, and on the last game before you get into conference play, J.J. doesn't even have a touchdown. Andrell doesn't have a catch. Eric All, did, was he the one that had the catch? Yeah, Out of one the catch for four yards. One yeah. catch for four yards and nothing for Roman Wilson. So it's, it's puzzling. I'm Cornelius. sorry, Cornelius. Yeah. It's puzzling to me. That's all. It's just I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll my fourth question up because it's, it's directly related to what you just said. So let me run down the, the top seven pass catchers. Actually, it's not the top seven overall pass catchers because I think Colston Loveland is in the mix in there. And he, you, we know he's not going to play much moving forward. But in these first three games, a lot of these backups and freshmen and young guys got in. Um, so the top seven guys, just just listen to these numbers and then hear my question. All right. So Ro Ronnie Bell has 14 catches in two and three games. Roman Wilson, six. A.J. Henning, five. Cornelius Johnson, four. Schoonmaker, three. Eric All, three. And Andrew Anthony, one. That's their total reception numbers through three games. So I guess, is there a level of concern for you with those numbers and what these, how these weapons are being utilized on a scale of one to ten? Is there a concern or is it just a want to just – you just – want to see a little more i think that's what it is i think it's more of just a, a want like i'm not i'm not concerned with the fact hold on, that hold on real quick d brown I, i'm sorry dude you know it's not madden i'm not saying like dial do you think andrell is cool with his one catch for four yards and three i mean honestly he's never gonna say like no nah, it sucks i want dude come on 
ask, ask yourself. That's that's a sophomore wide receiver who had a big, big game last year, one of the biggest games of his career he'll probably ever have. And now he's at this you know, rate. He might as well. I mean, he's got close to the same stat line as me and Chris. Like, come on. Like, let's <laughs> be honest. I'm, I'm not saying, like, you got to, like, throw him the ball every damn snap, but, like, just get him a couple receptions. Just get him used to, like, touching the ball so that, you know, Maryland, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State, like it's it, you're, you're not trying to do it for the first time. You're not trying to break that in. That's all I'm saying. Like, so to go to your question, level of concern, I don't know, a two or a three. I'm not really yeah. concerned. I'm just puzzled. I'm just I'm confused by it. And it's the same confusion I had last year, week one, two, three, four, and then all the way to the Big Ten championship and then eventually the college football playoff. And so <laughs> that reality hasn't been lost on me, but I'm glad you said that. It's not so much a concern. It's more of just a preference. It's like, would you have liked to have seen it go a different way? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen the wide receivers get more involved in the offense the first three weeks. And especially when they settled on J.J. as the quarterback. I hate to be that guy as Michigan sitting at number four, coming off a Big Ten title and playoff berth, scoring 55 points a game. This is why the recruiting class looks like it does. I mean, a couple of NIL stuff in there a little bit, but like Michigan's down like 12 options on the wide receiver board. Like they are way down. Probably not even going to get a quarterback in 23. I mean, like, th this is a real thing. It's a real thing worth at least talking about. I mean, there's no there's no other way. Well, it's it. real enough to where it got brought up in the press conference today, and somebody asked Ronnie Bell about it directly, and he had something to say. And and I'll get, I'm actually going to put up an article about that. But it's not like it's just a conversation that we're having. I think a lot of people are looking at that group. And, yeah, I know they take a lot of pride in blocking, and they take a lot of pride in being physical. And there's there's more aspects to the wide receiver position than just catching the ball. But at the end of the day, it's about rhythm. It's about getting guys involved. And, and to me, the first three weeks allowed for that. Like you had the opportunities because you were blowing out teams to maybe get one or two more receptions over to a guy like Andrell and Eric all and, 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 you know, um, Cornelius Johnson. So uh, not concerned, just a little puzzled. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. All right, you're back up. I'm going to reorder. All my right, here stuff. we go. I feel like a lot of, okay, let me skip because I feel like a lot of these are kind of centered around the same thing. Let me go to this question. Does Michigan, I brought it up earlier in the show that Michigan has shut out every single opponent um, in the first half, every game this year. Simple question. Does that streak continue against Maryland this Saturday? Does Michigan shut out the Terps from Maryland in the first half? of the game on Saturday? Do they keep the streak alive? I'll say no. I mean, Maryland is going to be a major, major step up in talent. If if nowhere else at the quarterback position. I mean, Talia Tagovailoa is probably going to get a look to play in the NFL. He's got a live arm. He's a pretty good athlete. He can really throw it around. They've got some athletes outside. I mean, dude, all you got to do is get it to like the 30 and they're trying to field goal. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to score three touchdowns, but like I think they'll put some points on the board in the first half. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and when we were at the press conference today and then, you know, you were talking to, to, you know, coach Harbaugh and, and a couple of the players that came out, one of the main concerns was the mobility at the, at the quarterback position with Tagovailoa. And so, you know, I, I, I do think they're, it's not like I think they're going to light up the scoreboard, but I do think they're certainly going to get themselves in, into at least field goal position, be able to put up some points, but man, you know, when the defense can do that, I mean, they're getting used to not seeing points on the board. And every week that goes by where you get used to seeing that, it becomes easier to make that happen. And so I think they're going to be low scoring, but I do think they get on the board in the first half. 
Yeah, like I said, you get them in field goal range, they're going to try to at least get rid of that goose egg. Um, you know, they're just, you know, it's Maryland. Michigan beat them by a ton last year, like I said. Maryland would beat those other three teams that Michigan just played by yeah. a ton. Like, they yep. would, dude. They just would. They're, it's a different level when you're talking about Big Ten talent, and, they, and they've and they got a good, a good, good player at quarterback. All right, speaking of quarterback, how about Michigan's quarterback situation? We know that Cade McNamara is out with a uh, – looks like a knee. By yeah. the way, I don't know if you saw those pictures circulating from the weekend. He was like riding in the back of a truck, and he had like a giant knee brace on his leg. I, don't I didn't see that. that. Was it was was that like some paparazzi photo or somebody what? put it on their snap story? Riding in the back uh, of the truck uh, with Cade, no. and then it got it got thrown all around. Anyway, so Cade's obviously out. We heard today that it's probably Davis Warren as the number two quarterback. Yep. We're, we're getting to that four game threshold for a guy like Alex Orgy, who's a true freshman. How much do you want to play him? Do you want to preserve the red shirt, et cetera? You've got Alan Bowman. You Okay. Do we see another quarterback not named J.J. McCarthy on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, we do. I think we see okay. – I, I do think we see Davis Warren and probably a, a healthy dose of that late third, early fourth quarter. And then, yeah, I think you see – well, I don't know if you're going to see Alex Orgy, but I do yeah, think you see Davis Warren. a little bit. Before big a bit. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, I do think you see Davis Warren – um yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised to hear jim harbaugh say that i know that kid you know we interviewed him we had him on the show if you knew anything about his story it's just been an incredible journey for him the guys worked his ass off and he looks good like that's the most important part when he's out there he plays well he looks good i know going back to the spring game he was like one of the top performers in that game and so it's really nice to see him get that opportunity and i think you'll see him on the field on saturday there you have it i mean you know Michigan with a pretty big spread, favored by 17. You look at what happened last year in College Park. This one's going to be in Ann Arbor. I think I'd be pretty surprised if Michigan didn't win pretty handily. And if they win pretty handily, I think you see the backup. I mean, like, you know, that's how I would say. I mean, I guess it depends on how the game plays out. I'll say it this way. If the game is even remotely close, I don't think you'll see another quarterback. I don't think there's going to be like a package for another guy or a swap for any reason. But if Michigan gets up by a lot, then I think you'd see the backup like you would no matter what, no matter who it is. I don't think, I think we're, I think the token quarterback thing is, is over. You're only going to see a backup from now on if it's absolutely appropriate to see a backup quarterback no matter who the teams are. Does that make well, sense? It, it makes sense, and it leads into my next burning question. Um, and again, brought it up earlier on the show, mentioned it. The Michigan offense averaging a nation-best 55.3 points per game through the first three weeks. First time, I think, since, what, 1906 or something that Michigan has, has gone three consecutive games of 50-plus points. First time they've started the season that way. Um, Maryland, on the other hand, their defense has given up a little bit over 19 points per game. And so my question is, does the streak continue Michigan scoring over 50 points? Do they get over that 50 point mark on Saturday? And I think if they do get over the 50 point mark on Saturday, that probably means you're seeing a, a steady dose of Davis Warren in the second half. I'm going to say no. As you were crafting your question, I, I had, this isn't my official prediction yet. I'm going to look at Mar I don't really know who Maryland's played. I saw that they played Buffalo and I'll look at who else they played and kind of what it ended up looking like. The, the very first score that popped into my head when you were crafting your question, 48-13. That's still a blowout. That's still doubling up the spread. That's still dominating yeah. the game. I'm gonna I'm going to say no. 
But again, I, I do look back at that score. Dude, they scored 59 on them on the road last year. I mean, that's a big number in a conference game on the road. So certainly in the, in the realm of possibilities. But, but first thought, gut instinct, I'm saying no. It's going to be high 40s. Yeah, I like it. I, I I mean, I agree with you. I, 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 I'd like to see him go over 50 points. I'd like to see the streak continue. I think the offense has obviously pretty much been able to do whatever it's wanted to do the first three weeks. Um, but Maryland is going to present a bit of a different challenge for him. And, and I do hope it is that situation. I want it to be a scenario where JJ has to play a full four quarters. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Michigan does get pushed around a little bit early and they kind of get snapped out of this you know, kind of just, you know, sleepwalking and beating the shit out of inferior opponents. It would be nice to see Michigan get challenged just a little bit on Saturday to see how they respond, to be in a situation where they got to move the ball. They got to put up points. I'd like to see them there sooner rather than later. We might, we might see JJ McCarthy's first bead of sweat this Saturday. That would be nice. <laughs> right. I mean, dude, he doesn't even have to wash. He hasn't had to shower or wash his uniform since he's been a starting quarterback. No. I mean, like that's, that's what it's been like for him. Um, okay. We're not doctors, but we did. Well, you did. You got a very close view of this young man down there on the field. Would you play Donovan Edwards on Saturday? If he like, he wasn't like in a, he wasn't braced up. He wasn't hobbling around. He wasn't on crutches, right? You saw him down on the field Saturday. He's jumping up. He's celebrating. Now look, if he's, if he's still hurt, then it's you don't you don't play him. I mean, it's a no brainer. But I thought it looked like he could be out there if you really needed him. See, would you play Donovan Edwards this weekend? No, no, I wouldn't because I oh. I, I think I think going into Kinnick, I think it's going to be physical. I think you're going to need Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, C.J. Stokes. I think I think it's going to be a steady dose of a you know a, a constant cycle of running backs. I just I, that's how they play football out there. I think it's going to be physical and. Given the way the schedule lines up and what they have coming, I think Michigan's going to handle their business on Saturday against Maryland fairly easily. And and from just from the outside looking in, there's no need to risk it. But I will say, yeah, I was down on the sideline. I saw him walking around. I saw him interacting with me. He looks just fine. I mean, the guy looked like he could have suited up and played. So I don't think there's a serious injury there. I think they're just being cautious. And, you know, if you want to be cautious and you want to make sure you've got one of your most electric guys ready to go when – when things get tough, that's one of those positions where I think you can afford to rest him for a couple games. Once he gets the ball in his hands, if it's out in Kinnick, uh, it's not going to take too long for him to get up and run and get into a rhythm. It's not every day that I stump myself with my own question. I I have really <laughs> gone back and forth on this because I remember how he looked against Maryland last year. So if, if, if the threat of him being – I actually – I don't – I like what my uncle Mike is saying right here. I think you put him in his uniform, fully dress him, so that as soon as they roll out there on the field, Maryland has to say, "Damn, there's number seven. He's in uniform. Remember him last year? We got a yeah. scheme. We got a." And then maybe you don't play him. I just can't get. I can't get the 170 yards receiving out of my head. I mean, dude, that is a, a record for a running back, was yes. it not? I think yeah, it was. It for was freshman it was. for sure. Broke the um, so I think you dress him. You know, let him kind of tell you how he's feeling. Certainly trust the medical staff and the doctors. But I'm I'm fine with rolling with Blake Corum, C.J. Stokes, and probably a little bit more of J.J. McCarthy using his legs 
And I think you'd be just fine without playing Donovan Edwards. But and and don't forget about Isaiah Gash. I I know he's down on the depth chart, but when he's touched the ball, I mean, he's looked good. He looks good, and I mean, certainly serviceable as the third. And Tommy Dunlap isn't a bum either. I mean, Correct. you've got four dudes that you could still give the ball to and Absolutely. feel just fine. So, but I I do think that Donovan Edwards should dress and go through warmups and get Mike Loxley and his crew being like, damn, there's that kid again. Man, he killed us last year. And then, you know, just give him something to think about. And and then probably hold him out. I say this. As much as I like Donovan Edwards, I love him, think he's going to be a great back. I don't think you win or lose with him in or out. I, and that's kind of where right. yep. that's kind of where it would come down to to me. He's not a guy you got to have out there to get a win. He would help, certainly, but they'd be fine without him. That that's how I would put it. And that's why I think you sit him and wait till you get to Iowa. Um all right, man. We have three weeks of data now. We've watched the team play for three weeks. We've talked about what some of the concerns are after that. But after you've watched the Michigan Wolverines perform over the last few weeks, what would you say is the biggest strength for this football team heading into conference play? You look at those first three games, you say, damn it, that's what they do best. That's what this, this team does best. What is that one thing they do really well? What's their strength? That's a good question, dude, because I, I really – I wouldn't say anything that they have is, like, weak, like, not even close. But I think several of the areas that I thought they'd be just dominant in, they, they really haven't been. Like, I yep. mean, I'm, I'm – ah, that is a good question, dude. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards, like, the running game because I still just think it's going to be so good with that O-line as they continue to gel and get better and the stable of backs is just so solid. But, again, no 100-yard rusher. Guys haven't even played past the second quarter. You know, Blake Corum's not even carried it more than 12 or 13 times. Yeah, special teams, dude, has been unbelievable. I mean, there it is a very, very sound, solid football team that I don't know if there's one area that is – like, you know, if, if you had every little part of Michigan's team was represented by a bar graph, I don't think there would be any that was like up. I think they'd all be like right there. That's yeah. kind of a cop out, but I'll say the run game because I still think that's something you can always go back to. You can always lean on. It's mistake free. It's experienced up front. You've got experienced backs. You've got good blocking tight ends, good blocking receivers. I'll still say the run game, even though I wish we would have seen a little bit more explosiveness and some higher production out of that group in terms of yardage. But I still think they could go back and say, you know what? We're running the ball 50 times against Maryland, and it's going to freaking work. It's yeah. going to work. Look, I think Matt Kirby hit the nail on the head. It was exactly what I was going to say. Discipline. For me, I thought that too. I have, been, smart. Yeah. I have been so impressed with how clean they played. Very few penalties, turnovers. I mean, Michigan, they look like a team in every single facet, offensive, defensive, special teams. They just play disciplined football. And so that gives me a ton of confidence moving into Big Ten play, into conference play, because the last thing you want to do is have self-inflicted penalties, self-inflicted wounds that are going to set your team back. And Michigan just doesn't do that. They just haven't made those mistakes through three weeks. So is that a byproduct of the competition they've played, or is that a byproduct of the coaching and how disciplined the team is? I actually think it's it's more the, the latter than the former. I think it says a lot about coaching. I think it says a lot about the maturity level on this team. Talk about Clink talks about guys like Mike Sainer still being coaches. 
coaches on the field. I think Michigan has a lot of coaches on the field on both sides of the ball. And that gives me a lot of confidence heading into conference play that they're just not going to, if somebody's going to beat Michigan, it's going to be because they beat them. I, Michigan's not going to be a team that beats itself this year. And, and you haven't really been able to say that about them in, in previous years, especially under Harbaugh. Yeah, no, it's been really, really impressive. I think they had four penalties last week, which takes the grand total up to eight for yeah. three games. I mean, that's still a really good number. Uh, the substitution stuff we talked about, I mean, it's been, like you said, you said, like, yeah, the opponents haven't been very good, but that has nothing to do with, you know, shuffling the right packages in and out, not having any of that pre-snap problems, you know, the, the organization, the execution. Yeah. I mean, it's been really, really strong. All right, I have my last one. Do you have one more left? Or one is this more, it? one more. All right, so my last one. We talked about this before the season started, and I don't think we've really revisited it this way since they played their three games. So let me break this down for you, Chris. Michael Barrett, Iabi Anoma, RJ Moten, Mike Morris, Mike Sainristill, and Chris Jenkins all have a sack apiece. Mason Graham, Rod Moore, Mozzie Smith, and Jalen Harrell all have a half a sack apiece. They got seven in week one, one in week two, none last week. Who leads this team in sacks when the regular season is over? I still think it's Mike Morris. I, okay. I, I'm I'm going to go to Mike Morris. I you know, he's physical, he's quick, he's got all the tools. I am a little bit surprised that it's been a steady decline in terms of getting to the quarterback. I know Braden McGregor said it's not all about sacks, but you know, sacks help. You know, it, it, to rattle a quarterback to get them out of their rhythm. And so I'm going to stick with Mike Morris. I think he's going to be the guy at the end. But I still think you know, you talked about Jalen Harrell. We thought. You know, that might be the guy. He still has that in him, and so strong candidate as well, but give me Mike Morris. That's who I'm going to stick with the guy I started with. You know, he's been he's been flying around. He's been – I think he leads the team in pressures. Actually, there was a stat that they just sent out today in an email. Again, it was also from Pro Football Focus, but I, I think he's leading the team in pressures on the quarterback, and he's athletic, and he's chasing dudes. I, I think it's going to be him. It's It's – it's a log jam right now, though, and any one of those guys could jump up and kind of take hold of that. I, I do think that Harold Morris, it's probably one of those two. I mean, if I had if I had to say, like, okay, Morris or Harold or the field, I'd probably still take Morris or Harold. I think they're the most likely to get home and find the quarterback. But I'll stick with my guy, man. I'll stick with 32. That's who I liked at the beginning before we saw them play, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep riding that out until, uh, until somebody makes me change my mind. All right, last question. The, the, what I asked you previously was to give me the biggest strength of the program. I'm going to ask the same question, but the other way now. After three weeks, you got the data in front of you. You've seen them play. What's your biggest concern about this team heading into conference play? That's what we've been talking about the whole time. It's just the – it's not even play calling because it's not like the plays they're calling are not working. Like I, I feel like I used to be much more frustrated with that with Michigan – that's not what it is, but it, and it has been extremely vanilla. There has been a ton of, you know, subbing guys in and weird packages and second, and third stringers and walk. I mean, like it's been weird because the opponents have been so weak and they've been winning by so much at halftime. But I'll say like a combination of the play calling and just not getting the balls of those weapons that we've talked about. Whether it's Andrell, whether it's Eric, uh, Eric All, whether it's. Even Blake Orem only carrying the ball 12 times. I mean, I'd love to see a game where he cares it 20-plus times and 
really can get it going. And so then he's carrying it 20 times and he's averaging six yards. And now you're at a buck 20 or a buck 30 and scoring a couple of touchdowns. I just think like all of that will change as we get into Big Ten play. We'll probably be able to step back from the ledge a little bit after this Maryland game. But that that's not even really like a weakness because they're killing teams. Like there's, I mean, it's, yeah. it is what it is. We've seen the scoreboard. But I would like to see that. Open it up a little bit. Let J.J. do everything. Dual threat. Run. Throw. Get the get the weapons involved. That's my that's my hope for, for this weekend and moving on. Yeah, well, we talked about it leading up to the season that I could p- pretty much play quarterback the first three weeks and Michigan would probably win every single yeah. game. And that just speaks to, you know, the level of talent that they were playing. And, and we knew that. If they wanted to, they can pretty much turn the turn around, hand the ball off 40, 50 times a game, still roll, still win. And I guess my concern is that we we did see a little bit of that. And and it goes back to what we said last year. My hope was that Michigan would use the first three weeks to really get that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, like imagine lifting up open the garage door and you have Ferraris and Lamborghinis in there. And it's like, well. I'm not going to drive those today. Like we'll, we'll wait and play with those toys later. Like I wanted to see, I wanted, right. I wanted to see them play with those toys the first three weeks, really see what they have there. Um, and, and it's not like it would have taken away from something else. I think they could have done, you know, you can still spread the ball around. You can still, you know, get a bunch of guys in the game. I just wish there would have been more of a concerted effort to really, and, and you know what it is, it's about making a statement too. Like, yeah, you can hold things back in the bag and you can, you know, you can, you can kind of wait till you need it. But there's also something to be said for going out and having one of your receivers get like, you know, 10 or 11 catches for a buck 70 and four touchdowns and your quarterback throwing touchdowns left and right and lighting the world on fire offensively and putting the country on notice that, hey, this is what we're about here in Ann Arbor. And I just, I walk away from the first three weeks like I'm not quite sure what the offense is. I know that there's a ton of potential and I'm not alone in that. I guess who's there? Blake Corum. Same thing. I'm not quite sure how good we can be because we haven't played anybody yet. And that's really where I'm at. So I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more. I get that they were whooping ass and 50 plus points and yada, yada, yada. But it's it's more about what they were doing with the football and who was getting their hands on it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's, that was, you know, that was my answer. Just, just would love to see it. That, that's, that's really what it is. It's not a complaint. See, I saw but that's the thing, Mike. It's not, it's, it's not flash. Like if, if Andrew Anthony had two receptions against UConn, that's not a flashy afternoon. That's just, right. it's getting I, involved. I don't think me and Chris are saying like, let's see the double flea flicker reverse no. pass three times a game. Yeah. But like, no, no, no. Like I said, big, big difference between vanilla. And Andrell Anthony having one catch for four yards in three games. Or like, Andrell, Eric, and Cornelius combining for one for four on, you know, last Saturday. Like, those are those are big weapons in, in what should be a very potent offense that, again, is number one in the country with 55.3 points per game. So it's not a matter of, you know, it, it's not flash. It's not, you know, yeah, they don't got to open up the bag of tricks and flea flickers and all this craziness. It's just about... You know who's getting who's getting their hands on the ball and who's getting production and and I walk away from the first three weeks still a little bit confused about when their backs are against the wall who are the targets for JJ where is he going to go with it yeah. you know Ronnie Bell pretty safe target but beyond that I'm not quite sure I like vanilla too Mike no doubt about it good at applause I love it that's a great segment I love it. 
an hour forty to an hour and fifteen. Um, I was gonna address one quick thing. Who said that? Who said that? Oh no! Oh no! What are we doing? No, it's just this. It's not a bad question because it gets asked every year, and I just don't. I just don't subscribe to it. I mean, t- to some degree. I think that it's it's you just you call an easy game plan. You know you're gonna win. You get up, you run the ball, you get your starters out, and you just that's what it is. I don't think I really don't think like I don't know, man. I just feel like the whole like he's saving it. He's got a whole chapter in the playbook just waiting to unleash it. I just think that's nonsense, man. Like you gotta go out and you gotta win. You gotta win, you gotta win impressively. You gotta get your guys involved. You gotta let them run plays against another team. I mean, all of that stuff is important. I mean, there's certainly I mean, there's no question. We're going to see plays against Michigan State and Penn State and Iowa that we didn't see yeah. during these first three weeks. There's no question. But I don't think it's like trying to keep a secret type of – I just don't think that's the approach. That's yeah. just that's me. That's just me. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never been a big fan of the, you know, we're, we're holding things back and we'll use it when we need to. Like I said, I mean, I, you know – what's the difference between what, you know, what Michigan did the first three weeks and had, you know, what if JJ had six touchdowns last Saturday and and the offense looked incredible and they put up 75 points. Are we all of a sudden worried now that they showed too much, you know, going into Maryland? Like, no, like that's to me, that's just, it's a, I've never subscribed to the whole, like holding things back to me. I feel like if you've got the weapons, if you've got the ponies, you use it, you show it. And then, I mean, that's just what you are. That's who you are. And it's whether you play UConn, whether you play Maryland, whether you play Michigan State, that's the way you play football. I've never subscribed to the idea that we'll we'll turn it on when we need to. This is a this is a valid point to make from Shadyville over on the YouTube page. I we could look it up. I know there that's out there, the average starting yeah. field position. Like Michigan's not getting a lot of they're not getting a lot of kick returns because they're not giving up any points. So they're, you know, that's typically a start at the 25 because almost all kickoffs going through the end zone nowadays, you know, they're, they're, they're moving a team back because they're dominating. Then that punter is, is a Yukon punter. I mean, sorry to whoever that kid is, but he's not kicking the ball like Brad Robbins. And so the punt's not as good. Then you've got AJ Henning bringing it. I mean, like I get it, you know, there's been a formula there, shorter fields, blowout plays or blowout opponents, short scoring drive. I I get it. I get all of that, but I still do think that I still think it could, it could look a little different and I'd feel a little bit better about when you got to have it and you got to turn it on. It's there. Right. And and it's, it's just, it, it, it's worth repeating. It's a preference thing. It's not, it's, it's not so much of a concern as, as it is a preference in just the way you would like to see the offense run. But I've, I've said it multiple times during the show tonight. We had the same concerns last year. And then all Michigan did was go out and win 12 games, beat Ohio State, win a Big Ten t- championship, and go to the college football playoff. And so you can look at that and you can sit back and say, man, that was a really, really successful year. But what happens when you get into the college football playoff and, and you need to have the type of offense that can compete with an Alabama and, and, you know, those types of programs. And that's when all of the stuff that you're doing now starts to count. And so I think Michigan's going to be fine. I think they'll find their rhythm. I think the receivers will start to get more involved in the offense just by nature of the way that the schedule is going to go. The games are going to change. They're going to be closer and you're going to have to get more production out of those guys it just goes back to a preference. I would have liked to have seen it more during the first three weeks than we saw. 
Yeah, I mean, again, 55 and a half points a week, <laughs> 3 and 0, probably going to smack Maryland. I saw someone say sound like rich kids complaining about money. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's where Michigan football. It's a good place to be. It's a discussion, man. We got, you know, it's it's you see these things, you talk about it. You know, that's how we feel. Again, the, we've said this all the time. We want the show to be like if you and I were chilling on the couch just sharing these thoughts. And that's how it is. Yeah, like I, it is. If I feel it, I'm going to say it. And 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 the what, what I feel is I wanted to see the wide receivers more involved the first three weeks. Doesn't mean Michigan's going to, you know, go out and shit the bed during conference play. It doesn't mean that, you know, the sky is falling. It's just a preference and what you would like to see from this offense. And my thought was – given the way J.J. McCarthy plays football, that once the decision was made to go with him as QB1, that you were going to see some of that start to increase. And then the fact that he comes out in game two, his second start, and has no touchdown passes, again, not looking for flash, but a touchdown pass for J.J. McCarthy on Saturday would have been nice. There is a, a, there is a, a catch for Andrew Anthony would have been cool. There is a little bit of truth to this. I know Schoonmaker dipped down and pile-drived it into the one-yard line. True. I think. That's true. I think Ronnie Bell got shoved out at the one or the two or something on a little bubble screen where he yeah. got around the edge. So like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. There's a little bit of truth to that. Some of those one yard runs for Blake Corum could have easily been a touchdown on the previous play had the receiver just stayed up or made a different move or true. whatever. I get it. Okay. Uh, you know, again, three, and 55 points beat Maryland's ass. <laughs> probably, probably, probably challenging the big 10 again. We'll be good. the number one scoring offense. We'll be all right. Complaining about no big deal. We will be, <laughs> we'll be all right. There's no doubt about it. Brian, uh, my guy with the $5 donation. Appreciate you, my guy. That's just incredible. I mean, the, the support from you guys continues to amaze us, man. And that's why we do what we do. Getting another good week. Start. Chris just comes through with Chris another Hills, one. Man. <laughs> I don't know what kind of favor you're looking for, but me and me and Bryler do draw the line somewhere. I mean, we're going to keep our hands to ourselves. I don't know how much, you know, maybe we'll go to dinner. It's going to be a gentleman's evening. No, I'm just playing. Dude. That's incredible. I, I just, we I don't really know appreciate that. Like I said, I didn't know that was even really a thing. So to see it just pop up there is, is awesome. Yes, awesome. Darren, don't forget everybody out there, Wednesday, fan-led Wednesday. Bring your questions, grab a snack, settle in for the hour. You guys lead the show, man. You you decide the topics. We You had to just spend an hour 20 listening to us decide the topics and the questions. You guys have the chance to do it on Wednesday now. Come join us. Absolutely. and I, I didn't say that earlier, but I wasn't, like, ignoring questions necessarily, but, like, all day Wednesday. Bring them all. We'll get to as many as we can get yes. to. Today we have a little bit more of a full show with a structure. And I know I threw a couple things up here and there, but, um, you know, that's what it is. Wednesday, fan-led. Get here. 7 o'clock. We'll be ready to roll, answering as many as we can possibly get to. Dude, what did we have one the other day? It's like a 1,000 comments in an hour. A 1,000 comments. Yeah, I mean, they just bring it. They bring it every Wednesday literally impossible to get to all of them but we will do our best that's wednesday night we will see you guys again on at seven o'clock bring your questions take care everybody appreciate you